Welcome to the BizTimes MKE Podcast, another episode of the Weekly Debrief. I'm Arthur Thomas, Managing Editor at BizTimes Media, and I'm joined on the Weekly Debrief, as always, by BizTimes Editor Andrew Wyland. Andrew, how are you doing? Not bad, considering I'm trying to recover from Brewer's Depression. Yeah, folks, uh, we have a morning uh, call every day, and... Uh, Andrew was pretty glum uh, when he signed on uh, after the two Brewers' losses this week. He was, uh, we had to lift his spirits a little bit. It was rough. Man, that was just not not good. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, especially to get out to, to Leeds and then to squander them and, and have a futile effort at a comeback the rest of the game. Uh, it's kind yeah, of rough. Ugly games and, you know, you have a nice season, you win the division. It's like, oh, right, yeah, we're in the playoffs, but as short-lived as possible, not really enjoyable. Not not the best. Uh, BizTimes Associate Editor Meredith Meyer was out there at the uh, the first of the game, so we do have some photos on the website. Yeah, I got some uh, great photos. Great photos of fans. She's got a great photo of uh, Brewers President Rick Schlesinger. A couple of interesting things there. So Brewers season's over. Uh, this will conclude the BizTimes Brewers Debrief Podcast. And we'll proceed with our regular scheduled programming. Uh, that starts off with our Insider Story Spotlight, which is a chance for us to highlight some of the stories that are available only to BizTimes Insiders. If you are already an insider, thank you very much. We really do appreciate that support. It helps make our work possible. If you're not an insider, please do consider subscribing. The equivalent of $9 a month will get you discounted admission to some of our events, access to all of the stories on our website, biztimes.com, and other insider benefits. So please go to biztimes.com, click on the subscribe button at the top of the page, and sign up. Andrew, what is your insider story spotlight this week? A story I picked is about Sprecher, Sprecher Brewing, acquiring a lemonade brand from a company in Florida. And it's just been really interesting to see Sprecher's growth in recent years. Of course, the company was acquired by a group led by Sharad Chadha um, in 2020. And when he acquired, he and his group acquired Sprecher, he was very clear that they had very ambitious, very aggressive pl- plans to grow Sprecher, grow Sprecher nationally. And they've done that. They've made several acquisitions. I think this is the, the sixth uh, soda brand that they've acquired. Um, and they've been reporting some pretty incres- impressive uh, growth numbers. I think, uh, they said that they've grown their distribution 270% in three years, 35% year over year growth. You know, you can get Sprecher products now and I believe it's 49 states it's available in. So just very interesting to see Sprecher, you know, a long time local business and cherished by a lot of fans of whether it's the beer or the root beer or whatever. But Chad has really taken this this aggressive move and we continue to follow that. It's been very, very interesting. Yeah. It's not unheard of to hear from entrepreneurs and, and folks who buy business, start a business and they have very ambitious plans. Uh, and you always kind of say, okay, that's, you know, mm-hmm. that's great. You're going to triple the business in however many years or whatever the, the case may be. And then you check back in and maybe that, that growth hasn't quite materialized to that degree. But in this is a case where, you know, he laid out a, a ambitious plans and has followed through on them uh, in what's well, a challenging category. 
Um, you think about some of the giants that are out there in, in the soft drink space and, yeah. and what they're up against and kind of changing consumer preferences. It's, you know, it's a challenging space, but they've been making a, a really solid go of it. So uh, impressive growth, and we will continue to follow them. Uh, my insider story spotlight this week is uh, one I wrote about the Securities and Exchange Commission reaching an agreement with Milwaukee-based Baird, a financial services firm, to settle charges over it's essentially improper use of personal cell phones and uh, improper record keeping related to communications. So there's some SEC rules that lay out um, what uh, communications that um, certain financial professionals need to um, maintain. Baird has policies about how, you know, you can or can't use your personal device and things like that. And apparently it was pretty rampant that folks were using their own uh, cell phones and for texting and kind of what's described as off-channel communications, uh, both internally and with externally with clients. Uh, and so they agreed to a $15 million penalty uh, with the SEC. Uh, Baird is definitely not alone in this. The SEC has been kind of working their way through the financial industry. Uh, some of the really big firms, you know, your JP Morgan's, uh, Wells Fargo, Barclays, Deutsche Bank, Goldman Sachs, uh, have paid $125 million penalties uh, in total. I think it's around almost 30 firms. Uh, totaling 1.6 billion, or more than 1.6 billion, uh, over the last few years. So, you know, interesting that that uh, you know I was, I've seen some of these cases come through, and I've kind of been looking to see for, you know, for Baird, for any Wisconsin ties to some of them, and uh, here you have them that the announced the settlement. Um, it was actually offered from Baird to the SEC to settle it, and include some some actions they're going to take to. Uh, remediate and make sure they don't have this problem going forward. So interesting, you know, it's, there's some big dollar figures uh, attached to it. And, and I think the idea is that it's kind of a, a way for the SEC having those records is a way the SEC can ensure certain compliance issues are, are properly monitored, whether that's different securities laws, anti-fraud things, financial responsibility standards. Um, so there's kind of, you know, there's a purpose to this um, and, you know, keep the markets honest, I guess, but uh, big numbers in terms of the penalties. Yeah, I was going to ask what the reason is, So, uh, and there you have it. It's, it's about the SEC's ability to keep tabs on this activity, and we've seen plenty of shenanigans in, in, in this industry and, and problems caused by that, so important for the SEC to keep on top of this stuff. Yeah, I mean, you think about some of the other you know, communication tools that are out there in terms of, you know, disappearing messages and things like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, you could, you know, if you wanted to have some, you know, whether it's insider trading or, you know, um, different things, you could try and hide some things uh, pretty easily there if you can keep the right records. So uh, an interesting story. And nonetheless, we will move to our big story of the week in just a moment. But before you, we do want to highlight a few of our upcoming events. Uh, November 2nd, we've got our Nonprofit Excellence Awards, celebrating the top corporate citizens and nonprofits in southeastern Wisconsin. November 17th, our Commercial Real Estate Development Conference. That'll be keynoted by CBRE Economic Advisor Spencer Levy. 
Uh, and we'll have a great panel following that. And then we close out the month with our Innovation Entrepreneurship Forum on November 30th. If you're interested in learning more about any of these, go to biztimes.com slash annual dash events to sign up. We just had our manufacturing event this week. Great attendance, great panel. Uh, so thank you to everyone who came out for that. Our big story of the week, uh, we're going to dive into, I guess, not how the sausage is made, but how the sausage is marketed. Uh, news this week that Johnsonville has done it again. They are going to be replacing Clement Sausage as the official sausage of the Milwaukee Bucks. If you are a follower of these kinds of things, you may recall that a few years ago, Johnsonville struck a deal with the Milwaukee Brewers to replace Clements as the sponsor of the Racing Sausages uh, at Miller, what was then Miller Park, now American Family Field. Uh, and then Clements turned around, and it was kind of impressive that you know they got beat out by the the giant in their industry for a sponsorship they'd had for a long time. And they turned around and inked a deal with Summerfest and inked a deal with the Milwaukee Bucks to be the uh, sausage sponsor at Pfizer Forum. Well, that deal's up, and Johnsonville has swooped in. The deal at Summerfest uh, kind of fell apart after a few years. Uh, there was actually some legal filings. Actually, Smart reported on this for us. Uh, essentially, according to Summerfest, the folks at Clements weren't paying their portion of the sponsorship. So that deal fell apart. Johnsonville swooped in there as well. So three instances now where Johnsonville has replaced Clement Sausage as the uh, official sponsor of kind of key local um, entertainment destinations. Uh, So I realize this is a very Milwaukee, very Wisconsin thing to be talking about, the uh, official sausage sponsor of things uh but we do have you know two major manufacturers uh kind of trading trading deals here yeah well and uh, you know the brewers the brewers thing that you alluded to which happened in 2018 that was a big deal i mean a lot of people were stunned when you know clements had been the longtime sausage provider at the brewery games and 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 most notably the clements racing sausages but i mean you bought a sausage at the brewery game it was a clements sausage it brought hot dog whatever um until johnsonville and and the brewers you may recall sort of shocked everybody and included clements that they really just kind of out of left field switched to johnsonville and then clements didn't really According to Clements, they didn't really have a chance to make a counter offer or whatever. I mean, it was very clear, and I, I, a lot of people, a lot, like I said, a lot of people were surprised about this, but it was very clear that Johnsonville came in with a with a much more aggressive offer, much much more lucrative offer. And I think people forget that these are simply business deals, and 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 the higher the bid, the better. And the brewers that need to bring in revenue to run their operation and pay their players and all that, um, seize the opportunity to uh, clearly go with a, a bigger company, still a Wisconsin company, but not a Milwaukee company, but still a Wisconsin company that is bigger and has deeper pockets and could clearly offer a more lucrative deal for the brewers. Um, so as you mentioned, you know that, that happened in early 2018, later that year, is when Clemens pivoted and did the deal with the Bucks, did the deal with Summerfest. And it seemed like, wow, okay, 
Clements, you know, it's not, not, you know, they, they made the best of the situation, but I, I think you mentioned the Summerfest situation. I, and that was rather stunning. I mean, they had a little stage over at Summerfest and, you know, that's part of their deal there. And they're the Summerfest sausage provider. And, you know, then Milwaukee World Festival sues them saying that Clements wasn't making their payments as required under that, under the deal, the, the sponsorship deal for Summerfest. And so that all falls apart. And, you know, earlier this year, you had Johnsonville come in and take over that deal and take over that stage at Summerfest. And now it's like, here's the third, here's the third example of it. The, the Bucks deal that Clemens did was a five-year deal back in 2018 after losing the Brewer deal. Well, that deal's up, and the Bucks have also switched to Johnsonville. And I think what we've seen the Bucks do, you know, in the last five years, you know, really ever since winning the NBA championship, the world championship, they have seized on the opportunity to, you know, not only increase ticket prices and increase prices of concessions at games at Pfizer Four, but they have been very aggressive in their sponsorship deals and negotiating you know, maximum dollars they can get. Um, and the opportunity is there for them. They are one of the hottest teams in the NBA, having won the world championship a couple of years ago. And then you've got, you've got one of the biggest stars in the NBA on your team. So they're maximizing opportunity. I mean, just look at the fact that they switched. I want to talk about a Milwaukee type of discussion. <laughs> they switched beer sponsors from, you know, Miller, Miller Coors to Anheuser-Busch. That was another one to have people talking and really would be unheard of for a Milwaukee major entertainer, entertainment operator to have their beer provider be Anheuser-Busch. But the Bucks went that way. You know, there were people grumbling about it. People saying they weren't going to buy beer at the games or whatever. Again, it's a business deal. And whoever is going to offer the most dollars is going to get it. And that's clearly what the Bucks are doing there. And, I'm sure what they're doing here with the sausage situation, Johnsonville seeing another opportunity to supplant Clements and, and, and as a bigger company with deeper pockets, outbid them. Now, what I think, you know, the kind of aftermath is what's going on with Clements exactly. I think there's a very big red flag for me, the Summerfest situation in particular. It's one thing to get outbid by Johnsonville for the Brewer sponsorship and for the Buck sponsorship. Okay. You have a bigger company outbidding you. But what is the, you know, the Summerfest situation is really concerning to me that they had a deal that they couldn't see through and couldn't make, uh, according to Summerfest, couldn't make or didn't make their payments. Why would that happen? And what's, what's going on over there? Um, unclear to us, but you know, it, it does make you wonder about what's, what's up with them. Yeah, I think that's a, a kind of open question. I think kind of look at this more from the side of, of the company's bidding. I mean, yeah, obviously the Bucks, the Brewers, Summerfest, they're going to go with whoever, you know, can give them the best deal or at least the greatest value. Um, maybe there's a way you measure that, not in absolute dollars, but they're going to go with whatever the best value for them as, you know, the one on that side of the deal. Um, and Johnsonville, you know, Family-owned company based in the state, they're the big the big dog um, in the industry. You know they can afford to look at 
ROI in kind of maybe slightly different terms than another company. Um, you know, you look, you look at like Miller Coors or Molson Coors and, and Anheuser-Busch. I'm sure the folks at Anheuser-Busch, you know, love the opportunity to make a, a nice inroad into Milwaukee, you know, oh, yeah. for them. But they're, that's the, you have two companies that are more on a little even more even playing field. Uh, mm-hmm. Clements is much smaller. Um, but I think also, you know, like I said, Johnsonville family owned based in the state, whereas Clements, you know, was a long time family owned business sold uh, in the middle of the last decade to a private equity firm or portfolio company of a private equity firm. The portfolio company is Tall Tree Foods. Uh, the private equity firm is Altamont Capital Partners. Tall Tree is based in Texas. Altamont's based out in California. But I think the key there is, you know, so it's a private equity firm, right? So we're talking much more about dollars and cents and what's the return on on an investment. And I, I mean, as much as, you know, people attending a game maybe care about what's the, who the official sausage is and which what one's going to be there or um, which beer am I going to be drinking or things like that. I can't imagine it's a huge revenue driver to be the official sausage of the bucks or the official sausage of the brewers or things like that. I'm sure it's nice to have, you know, that some sales volume that comes through that thing, you know, but in the, in the scale of national distribution or, or nearly national distribution, one venue, you know, even if it's thousands and thousands of seats, it's one venue. It's not a huge driver up against the dollars you maybe have to put forward to be the sponsor. And I, I just don't think they, it doesn't seem like they have a a care for that kind of community investment that you see from corporations that have a a tie, a connection that want to be part of the corporate, the community fabric of a, a city and a region. You see companies choose to, you know, they want to put their, they want to sponsor, um, uh, stages at Summerfest, like Generac, for example, as they were trying to increase their local presence, they signed up to be a stage sponsor at Summerfest. So their, you know, name and logo is everywhere. You get private equity firms. It's more about how can I translate, uh, top line sales to, to, uh, to profits that, you know, can, uh, return to, to shareholders. Um, so yeah, I think so we think about, well, okay, what's going on over there? Is there trouble? Is there just not focused on being part of the community? What is it? I don't know, but certainly something's up, um, in terms of their willingness to be engaged in the local community. Yeah. And Clemens also closed, uh, well, they have a, a larger plant on the south side of Milwaukee, and then they have a, a smaller one. And they closed the smaller one, I think it was a few years ago, and mm-hmm. recently put it on the market, see if, you know, it's down in Bayview, I think, um, see if uh, anyone will be interested in purchasing that, you know, presumably a redevelopment opportunity or something. Um, yeah, so it's 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 interesting to see what's going on how this will all play out with clements you know how long how much longer does this particular private equity firm continue to own that company you know how much longer you know private equity firms as we know tend to have a limited time period they want to invest in a business and then turn it over and sell it to someone else so what's uh what's the future there for clement sausage um 
we will we will wait and see, I guess. Yeah, it was 2014 that Tall Tree acquired Clements. So, in the lifespan of a private equity portfolio, you'd think that uh, you know time might be getting near, um, yeah. and maybe you're trying to make a balance sheet look better. That kind of thing. Who knows? Um, and they've they've had CEO you know, leadership change. Um, you know that that plant that closed that was in conjunction with an expansion they did at their main plant. So, yeah. okay. Interesting ebbs and flows uh, for that company over the last decade or so. That will do it, though, for uh, this week on the BizTimes MKE podcast. Thanks for joining me as always, Andrew. You bet. This is Dan Meyer with BizTimes Media. You've been listening to the BizTimes MKE podcast. For more business news and insights, be sure to go to BizTimes.com and subscribe to any of our daily e-newsletters and our magazine, BizTimes Milwaukee.